0: all all alright, it's Cosmic Dragon Episode 6, and I'm your host, Sean Grigsby. Today, we are going to be talking to Anna Stevens, who is the author of the God Blind Trilogy, which is a grimdark fantasy, and if you don't know what grimdark is, where the hell have you been sleeping, man or woman? It's like the grungy, dirty, bloody, visceral kind of fantasy, not the... La la la, let's save the day. Not that there's anything wrong with high traditional fantasy at all. I just like when things get raw, you know, and people drop some F-bombs and, like, stab people through the face and stuff. That's my kind of shit. That's the stuff I like to write. It's the stuff I like to read. And speaking of things I like to write, I wanted to let you know about my debut novel, Smoke Eaters, which releases in March of 2018 from Angry Robot Books. The basic concept can be described in three words, and that is firefighters versus dragons. If you want to add some more words to that, it's firefighters versus dragons in the future with laser swords and jetpacks, and it even has ghosts that protect the dragon eggs from people and shit, and there's also robots. And I get to let you know now publicly that... Smoke Eaters is going to be an audiobook as well. Recorded books offered me a deal, and I said hell yes, and now we're moving forward on it. I don't know who's going to read it. I have my top pick, and I don't know if I'm going to get it, but it's worth a try. I also want to let you know that uh, I have a short story in an anthology called Holding On By Our Fingertips. My story in the anthology is called Torches and Pitchforks for Sale. Not sure when this one will be out. Uh, hopefully sometime next year, and I'll keep you updated. But enough about me. Let's jump into our interview with God-Blind author Anna, or Anna, Stevens. And we're here with Anna Stevens. I did get confirmation that that is how you pronounce it. Anna Stevens, the author of the Godblind trilogy, Anna, thanks so much for coming on Cosmic Dragon.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, very happy to be here.
0: Great. So, this is a trilogy. The Godblind yeah. trilogy is what it's it
1: is. It is, yep.
0: And I am in the middle of reading the first book, actually.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, I, I just I just finished the part where Dom found Rillerin. I'm, I'm
1: yes, that's correct. Th- yeah, that well pre- done.
0: You know what's funny? And <laughs> I'm glad I got that right, but sometimes <laughs> I can't even get my own characters' names right. Like I, I hear it in my, my head one way, and then I say it. Whatever people think it sounds like, that's, that's good with me. Yeah. So um, I, I love it so far.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: And I'm not just saying that because you're a guest on here and I'm, <laughs> I'm reading it, and I, I have to say that. But I Because people who know me know I'm very picky with books. Okay. Extremely. So I love the pacing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I I love the characters. Uh, I and like I said in my intro to this podcast, I love grimdark fantasy. Cool. Uh, compared to the traditional high fantasy, I love when yeah. you know horrible shit takes place. Okay. <laughs> for whatever reason, you know, and uh, and you've got some. Horrible shit. In <laughs> yeah, but in the in good way. Like it opens with these... Uh, Merases. Yeah, Mer, uh, Merases,
1: Merases. 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 Yeah.
0: And they kind of remind me of uh, Vikings or barbarians kind of on the outskirts of the main civilization and they're trying yes. to make their way back in and they worship the red gods.
1: That's correct, yeah.
0: And, and they're all about blood sacrifice. and I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but it's pretty awesome.
1: <laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad you're liking it. And, Thank you. Um, yeah, if, if I'm correct as to the point at where you are, um, yeah, it kind of gets darker from here on in, at least in, in one particular... There's one particular scene which um, anyone who, pretty much anyone who's read the book has said, has got in touch with me afterwards and said, "I can't actually believe you did that," which <laughs> I'm I'm so proud of. But at the same time, I really don't want to become notorious for having written that particular scene. And that's really as much as I can say about it. But um, I expect a tweet from you when you hit that scene because you will know which
0: scene I'm referring to. I hope. Oh man. Well, now I'm. <laughs> Now I've got all this anticipation for what this might be.
1: <laughs> I, know, I know, he's going to so, fall so flat now.
0: <laughs> well, no, not necessarily, but now I'm excited about it. This this is interesting. I wonder if you'll beat out Peter McLean. Because uh, when, when I read Drake, and he had that, I don't know if you've read that, but not he had a scene in there. Uh, well, there's a scene in his book that just totally messed me up, and I, I still give him shit about it. <laughs> 'Cause it was you know, it's it's it is a dark urban fantasy, but it's still an urban yep. fantasy. It's more tongue in cheek than say, you know, what Godblind is where you can Yeah, yeah. So you, you expect a different level, don't you? Yeah. And see I write dark shit. Like yeah. <laughs> but it still messed me up. I said I don't know how I feel about this. But anyway, uh, I'll let you read that and you can you can gripe at him about what he did in that book. Yeah. We'll talk uh, we'll about forward. that
1: later.
0: Yes. I'm looking forward to this. I'm, 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 I'm racing through my mind trying to think of, of what you might have done. But yeah, I'll definitely tw- tweet you about that. <laughs> cool. But uh, the book uh, has been published by Harper Voyager in the UK. Yep. And Talos in the United States, which is an imprint of Skyhorse.
1: That's correct, yeah.
0: And every time I hear Talos, I think of the, the uh, Elder Scrolls games, because one of the, the gods in that game is, is named Talos. Um, yeah,
1: I, I see. I think that might be deliberate. You think? I so? I don't know. I don't know, but mm, maybe.
0: I'll get on the research on that.
1: Yeah, I'll find okay. out.
0: <laughs> That's because I've wondered about that. But uh, g- can you just describe your journey into publishing? Because Godblind is your debut novel.
1: It correct? is. Yep. Yep.
0: But have you had you written any before it?
1: Um. Okay. So. Godblind has existed um, in one form or another, one draft or another, for I would say nearly 14 years now. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So the very very first draft of Godblind was it was a high fantasy, uh, believe okay. it or not. Um, so, yeah, I sat down, I wrote your traditional high fantasy um it was you know two hundred and thirty thousand words, and that was Ooh. book one, and you know all that all that highly melodramatic, overblown I shall be an author um <laughs> bullshit <laughs> it was all in there, all of it, right. anything that could possibly happen to someone happened to them um. And then I did the typical, I've written a book, I'm going to send it out on submission, um, which I did to my eternal shame. uh, And it was justifiably rejected by everybody that I sent it to. Um, So then I rewrote it, sent it out again, got it rejected. And this is basically, this was the pattern of my life for about a decade. Um, Wow. I would... I, I would write it, rewrite it, and every time I rewrote it, it became a little less high fantasy, and the characters became a little less unambiguously good or unambiguously evil. So I was basically drafting and drafting and drafting, and each time there were more shades of grey coming in. And then um, eventually it started getting um, it was, it was becoming more well received. So I was starting to get, you know, a couple of little nibbles here and, you know, people saying, Oh, okay, I really like what you're doing. Try doing this instead. You know, maybe rework your opening, things like that. So it was starting to get, you know, really quite positive. Um, and then, it was oh, it's almost exactly two years ago, so it was Christmas 2015, um, and I, as as I think a lot of aspiring authors do, I stalk an awful lot of agents on Twitter. Oh yeah, um, and you just keep go, you know, you keep trawling through to see whether their bios say submissions open or submissions closed, and you know, make a list so that you can so that you can submit to them all. Um, and it was just coming up. It was it was probably a week or two before Christmas. And Harry Illingworth of DHH Literary Agency, based in London, um, he put a tweet out saying that um, he was after the next Joe Abercrombie. And I was like, mm, okay. And then I sort of look. I you know I, I looked at the version of Goblin that I got in front of me, and I thought, you know what? I'm not Joe Abercrombie, obviously, but I'm not a million miles away. And I just, right. and I just, thought oh, screw it. So I tweeted, so I tweeted Harry saying, hi, I'm not quite Joe Abercrombie, but I'm in the same ballpark. And he went, oh, okay, fine. Send it through. And that was it. So I sent off the, you know, the traditional cover letter synopsis, first three chapters, um, emailed it off. And then, because I, I run, it sounds like a tangent, but go with me on it. I run two separate email addresses. So I've got my original email address in my maiden name, which is what I'm published under. And then when yeah. I got married, I set up a, a second email address. And my, my thought was always, I'll use my maiden name email address for all my writing stuff and my everyday email address for everything else. So I sent Harry this synopsis and the first three chapters on my maiden name email. And then I didn't check it for a week. And he got back to me within about two days saying send the rest of the manuscript. And I just didn't see ah. it. And so I didn't see it for a week because I was, I was just using my other email address as I, as I right. normally did. Um, so I just sort of randomly went into... My, my, my writer's email address as I call it and there was his email that was like five, six days old saying send me the rest of the manuscript and I was, oh my God, shit. <laughs> you know, immediate full scale panic stations. I've, I've blown it. I've blown my chance kind of thing. So I think I sent him a groveling email back saying I'm ever so sorry. I think I might have lied and said that I'd have been having email trouble um, rather than just incompetence. Um, and so I sent him the full manuscript and then I just thought, Oh my God, what am I going to do? And then obviously I went on his Twitter feed and he'd put something on his Twitter feed that said, when you've requested a full manuscript and you haven't got a response, I'm like, Oh my God, that's me. That's me. Oh wow. <laughs> you know, I, I genuinely thought I'd blown it. Um, and then I think within a week he phoned me up. And said that, you know, he loved Godblind and he wanted to represent me. Um, and I think I screamed. Um, and then I just kept saying, are you joking? Is this a wind-up? Um, and it wasn't, and it wasn't. So I, I met him for lunch the following week. Um, we got on really, really well. He'd already got some ideas for suggested amendments and edits. Um, and I just thought, you know, what that means... He, he really cares about the book. Um, he really wants to make it the best it can possibly be before it goes out on submission. And, I, you know, I suppose, I suppose some authors might see that as, he wants to change my work. How dare he? But I just thought, fantastic. I, I can obviously work with this guy. Right. Um, so, yeah, so, so I signed up with the agency um, we went through I think we got about halfway through a round of edits and then he phoned me up and said um, Harper Voyager wants to read it and I said but I haven't finished doing the edits and he said are you kidding me this is Harper Voyager and I was like oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know he was like are you turning them down because it's in red line and I was like no no I'm not no I'm not so we sent it off um, and it was halfway through edits um, and then I think he phoned me up within two weeks after that and said they've put an offer in. And then it just it just was utterly bizarre. I think it was from signing with Harry um, in February, and then I got a deal. I got a three book deal with Harper Voyager by I think it was the start of May. Wow. Yeah. And that's I just that's fast. Yeah, yeah, really fast. And I just, I honestly think I must have spent a month thinking I'm lying on a hospital bed in a coma having the best dream ever. <laughs> and then, you know, and I, I genuinely, genuinely thought I was hallucinating or something. Because my opinion had always been, um, we'll start small, you know, Goblin might sell to a little independent Um, and then might put an option on the second book, something like that, and then maybe, you know, like six, seven, eight books in, maybe a big publisher is going to want to take me on. Um, So for me to have landed, you know, one of the big five for my debut novel was just out of this world.
0: I'm still not
1: entirely... Yeah, I'm still not entirely sure I've got over it, to be (laughs) honest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I say... That's fast, and it is as far as, you know, from getting the agent and getting the deal, but you also worked for over a decade perfecting this manuscript, so I really can't say it's that fast, because that's the work that people don't see, so if people looked at, at, you know... Your timeline from signing with Harry and then getting the deal with Harper—they're like, "Oh my gosh, what? That just ha- doesn't happen to everybody." Well, but then you don't see the 14 years that, that you had worked with, with that manuscript.
1: Yeah, so exactly. So congratulations—that's that's, that's, Thank that's you. awesome. Thank you. Um,
0: I have been rejected by Harry, and he's the nicest guy you could <laughs> oh, ever. No. You. Oh no! Oh <laughs> no! <laughs> and that was actually a uh, uh, a recommendation or a referral from another author. Okay, Who said, "Hey, email Harry, and I did, and you know, and that's another thing. Re- referrals are great. N- none, of, none of them. Not a one panned out for me.
1: <laughs> really?
0: at yeah. all, I, I, I was I, I signed with my agent straight through the slush pile. so okay. It, it can be done. And heck you, you tweeted you tweeted an agent. He was interested in saying... There, there's no one way, I guess, is what I'm saying to, to people who are... Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, yes, I tweeted him. Um, but it was still effectively just an unsolicited submission. It, you know, it right. wasn't... I didn't pitch to him. I just right. had a slightly cheeky throwaway comment on Twitter. Um, and he said, send it through. It was still effectively a Slushpile um, submission. Right. It was just that I was I I had prob he probably was a tiny little bit aware of my name, and and that was it. You know, right. other than that, there was no there was no ongoing relationship between the two of us. We we weren't in you know Twitter debates or anything. He had no idea who I was.
0: Right, that was um, complete slush as well.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that's man, that's fantastic. So so. <laughs> This came out in li- this just this last year, and yeah. you have the sequel coming out in May. That's correct. Yep. And that one is called Dark Soul.
1: Yes, Dark Soul. Yep.
0: Awesome. And and this now you sold this as a trilogy, right? They bought all three books up front. They
1: did. Yes.
0: See, that's even better.
1: <laughs> you got a multi-book
0: deal. That's that's fantastic. Okay. And uh, now, see, Godblind is obviously, I, I mentioned where they are available in the English language, but they're also available in France and Germany, and I think I read that uh, yep. Poland and the Netherlands.
1: And the Czech Republic.
0: Czech Republic, that's what it was. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's huge.
1: The, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's they're, they're different deals. They're deals of varying, um, obviously varying monetary Gain and whatever, um, but some of them have only taken up the option for Godblind, um, so they haven't bought the trilogy. So not everyone has bought the trilogy. So some right. of, some of the territories have decided that they they're just going to buy Godblind, and then they've got an option on the other two books. So we'll see how it goes. Okay. Um, That's so good, re- yeah, yeah, definitely. But really, I think I feel slightly more pressure with those ones. Because I know that we've sold all three for some territories, um, so there's a little bit of security there. But it's the ones where we've only sold one book that I'm thinking, please do well, please do well. You right. know, just just because I think it, you know it, it would be so exciting to get that phone call to say, um, you know, Goblin's doing really well in Poland, so they want the other two books because that right. that's sort of. Um, more vindication of your work maybe
0: oh yeah and and you i know the reasoning why they might do that because they want to see it how it performs and you of course know. yeah i'm in the same boat because i um the way angry robot typically does their stuff is they buy one book at a time which that i didn't really mean. have any ideas on smoke eater sequels um they asked for some and i Pulled some out of my ass real quick. <laughs> and, uh, how about this? And I sent it to my agent, you know. But it, I can't do. It feels like a, you can't do anything until your book comes out, and then people, you know, say, "Oh, okay," you know, he doesn't suck. Yeah, uh, yes. or, yeah. You know, <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, well now now we'll look at your comic book script or your other your other book." And um, and that's the kind of writer I am is that I write different stuff all the time, uh, and okay. I jump from yeah. you know one one book to another but I th- that brings up the question for you is that did you intend for this to be a trilogy setting out or had you written more than one book or are you starting from scratch on these next two
1: um so in my head it had always it had always been a trilogy um when I did my my very first high fantasy god blind um back in the I don't know late 90s or something um I sent that out on submission and then immediately started the sequel. Um, and the sequel was just as appalling as God Blind um, and probably even longer and more melodramatic and overblown. Um, so there's <laughs> the, the, there was a very vague outline for how I wanted the books to go. Um, but once I made the decision that I was just going to focus on Polishing Godblind over and over and over until it got published. Um, so, sort of in the back of my head, every time I changed Godblind, I had to change the um, So, I know, I, obviously, I know where they're going now. Um, for a long time, I wasn't sure. I think I always knew the very, very ending, um, but pretty much anything in the middle was up for grabs. Okay. So, it was a very Situation to um, actually come to write Dark Soul because I'd, I'd got, you know, like an eight-page linear progression of what was going to happen in the story, so maybe like four or 5,000 words. Um, just he goes here, she goes there, she kills him, they fall in love, blah, you know, that sort of pared down, um, just bullet point A to Z kind of thing. But to actually write it was really tough. it was it was, <laughs> it was so tough um, there was I, I think I definitely suffered from that second book syndrome or you know that people talk about oh yeah um, yeah, yeah. Um, so and also it was the first book that I'd ever had to write to deadline so ah. you know if you think about. Gobline took fourteen years, and then all of a sudden, I've got six months. It was, um, it oh, was, ter- wow, it was terrifying. Um, so I sent, I sent the draft off on my deadline, so I hit my deadline, um, and then my editor read it, and then we had a chat um, a while later after she'd read it, and she basically just said, "You need to start again." Um, ah, which was, ah. you know, <laughs> nice. Um, so what she said was that the, the, the massive, big character reveal that happens at the end of Dark Soul needs to happen at the start. And that takes quite ah. a work. You know, it's a, it's a fairly hefty structural edit when you have to move a reveal from the end to the start. And then you have to come up with another reveal for the end to... Right. Um, to, you know, to bracket it nicely. So, um, I... Basically, um, I spent six weeks rewriting it uh, with the help of a very nice chap called Mike, um, who's ex-army. So, he was sort of advising me on a lot of the siege tactics and, and military aspects of it and stuff. And, I, you know, I, I was like... Texting yeah, him really random questions about, you know, what actually happens when you get demoted and, you know, all this, all this kind of stuff. Like he would know. I'm sure he's never been demoted in his life, but, you know.
0: <laughs> is this, it may be a different Mike, but is this Mike Mammy? No, no, this is okay.
1: Mike Adams, So, yeah, different
0: I have, a, I have a friend uh, who, who uh, he, his debut's coming out in uh, June or so, and he, he, he went to West Point and he was... Former military, so that's what I was thinking of. Oh,
1: uh, yeah, you know, I think everyone needs a mic in their life, definitely.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you got Mike, Mike Cole, who yeah. you know is is done yeah. his stuff, and there's always a, a military mic. Military Everybody mic. Everybody always knows one.
1: That's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's good that you had someone to help, kind of help you do that. That man, if I got those kind of notes, I'd have to spend six weeks lying down, uh, <laughs> drinking some form of alcohol
1: yeah, before was i even started there was a lot of drinking there was a lot of sulking um there was a little bit of name calling um and then it was okay i've got to do it and i've also only got six weeks to do it so having gone from 14 years to six months we were now at six weeks and i wow. i was you know not in a good place for about three of those weeks. But then we started... You know, it started coming together and we started motoring along. Um, and it's now back with the editors. And I'm just really hoping that I've hit it this time. I expect there'll still be, you know, some more edits to come. But um,
0: I'm but just really... Just, is yeah, grandiose. nothing is major. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right. That's the hope.
0: Well, do you have a name for the... Last book in the trilogy?
1: I do, but it hasn't been finalized with the publishers yet, so I'm going
0: right, to we'll keep that secret. We'll keep it secret. I tried, everybody.
1: <laughs> we'll find out at some point. At
0: some point. <laughs> I can tell you the name I'm, I'm thinking of for the Smoke Eater sequel is uh, Ash Kickers.
1: Nice! Love and it. I'm
0: thinking the third book would be like Fire Killers or something. I don't know. Like I said, I just...
1: Ash Kickers. Rocks. I like that a lot.
0: And I just came up with that, and, and then I realized that it kind of was a double on tundra. Yep. <laughs> and yep. I was like, oh, hey, I didn't think about that, but now I do. Yeah, let's keep it. So we'll see. Yeah. And that one, that one I'm thinking about involving a phoenix.
1: Ooh. Are we yeah. also going to find out, you know, the, the physiology of the, of the dragons and the history and, you know, whether Canada's got it right or wrong? Because I'm, I'm kinda, I am kind of, I want to know the backstory of the dragons. Okay,
0: uh, yeah, I'll, I'll add some more, some more stuff in, into it. Because you know, you read the book. Everybody's like still yeah. trying to figure out what everything is, and the propeller heads are doing all their research. So yes, yeah. there, there's going to be a lot of, yeah. And I'll, I'll say this: the, uh, well, no, I can't. Re- I'll tell you after after the podcast.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: spoiler. I could just edit it out. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we've talked about your book and how you got in and, and your wonderful deal with Harper Voyager. Yep. And Talos as well. Uh, is there an audiobook version that people can listen to?
1: There is. Um, it's unaudible, but I've, I've been told it's only available in the UK at the moment. Um, so I don't think that um, Talos bought the audio rights. I don't know if that's how it works. I think that's how it works. Okay. Um, so, but then somebody also suggested that if they set up a UK Audible account, they would then be able to buy it, but I don't know if that's strictly, you know, naughty or not.
0: And Audible uh, does a 30-day trial as well, so people, hey, if you want to try Audible, go look for Godblind and give that a shot. It's awesome. Do it. And I, I know, because I, like I said, I'm very picky about books. Um, well, the question I want to move to next to kind of wrap things up is, mm-hmm. what is something that you wished somebody had told you before you got into this writing game? I
1: spent a lot, of, a lot of the early drafts of God Blind, um, very much thinking that I needed to be this tortured genius. Um, And I think one of the biggest things that I wish I'd been told and I wish I had learned a long time ago was not to take myself so seriously. Um, And that, you know, being slightly ridiculous on social media actually gets you a lot more friends than than being the tortured writer. Right. Um, Because I think, you know, for, for a long time, I was like, well, this is my art and no one is allowed to mess with it, even though I knew that editors would. I was, you you know, (laughs) I I was very much. No one was allowed to read it. No one was allowed to know anything about it. It was all extremely solitary, and that was the way it had to be. Um, Whereas, you know, already, like I said, with Dark Soul, I got military Mike to have a look at it because I was, you know, I needed as much help as I could get. I was, I only had six weeks to do it. So it was, it was almost like by necessity I realised that I needed somebody to be reading these chapters and offering advice as I was writing them. Um, yeah, so I think I would definitely say, you know, just, just relax about it and have fun. You don't need to be a tortured writer. You can just be a writer who loves writing and that is just as valid. So I think that's what I would have told my younger self. But then, you know, maybe... Maybe being this self-involved, self-important writer was a lesson that I needed to go through. I mean, the, the, the high fantasy version of Godblind was pompous and melodramatic. Maybe I was pompous and melodramatic when I was writing it. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I'm very glad that I'm not like that anymore. And I'm more than happy to, um, to just play the fool. I find I'm a lot happier when I do.
0: Oh, yes. And now, I did have one more question. Okay. Did, did you, because you started this thing a long time ago. Before, I would as- assume Grimdark was really a thing. Yeah. So, when you started seeing Grimdark kind of come into the l- literary genre pantheon, were you yeah. I mean, that had to have gotten you excited like, oh, yeah, I'm turning this. This is, yes, this is my thing. Was, is that kind of what happened with you?
1: Yeah, I mean, to a, to a certain extent, it was. It, it made me, um, because as I said, you know, ev- every rewrite got a little bit darker and a little bit more morally ambiguous. Um, and then I, I started, he- I didn't necessarily hear about Grimdart, but I started seeing these different books and these, these darker books. And, you know, uh, then, then I read Joe Abercrombie's first one. Um, the Blade itself. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, anyone who can make me like someone like Logan Ninefingers, who's clearly a sociopath. Um, <laughs> see, it, it did it did really make me think, oh my god, there's hope for this scrappy little book that I'm writing. But for me, I think that the thing that did it the most, um, it wasn't necessarily discovering Grimdark or reading Jarba Crombie or anything like that. It was me realizing that Robin Hobb was a woman, which sounds yeah. terrible, but for years I thought Robin <laughs> Hobb was a man. The same I as a I thought. Lot of people did, yeah. Yeah, I thought Kim Stanley Robinson was a woman because Kim is a woman's <laughs> name in the UK. Yeah. Um, so those two were a bit of a shocker, um, but but Robin Hobb, that was the one that really—it uh, was like a light came on in my head when i realized that robin was a woman because she was writing these dark and complex and ambiguous characters and she was you know she she was talking about you know some, some really terrible stuff you know assassin's apprentice and the forging and all of that kind of stuff and i just thought well she's incredibly well respected she's hugely well respected she's she's an absolute giant of fantasy literature and she can write this dark complex frightening kind of fantasy and if she can do it as a woman then you know then I can do it as a woman and and that was you know so that for me was was the real turning point and I think that was probably when I got really really serious about wanting to be published um because it, it was it was just this sort of epiphany for me that that she'd done it so there was no reason why I couldn't do it
0: oh yeah that epiphany—I yeah, think, I think that epiphany happens to a lot of writers, uh, at least in yeah. the fact that you know y- you have this idea of who of the writer you're supposed to be or the things you're supposed mm. to write—and that's when I give advice to anybody asking me because I hate giving unsolicited <laughs> advice. <laughs> but you know, my, I, I say it more eloquently, but it ultimately comes down to write like you don't give a fuck, you know, yeah. and as long as you're enjoying what you're putting down and you're happy with it and you know put put all the crazy shit you want in there do whatever absolutely. you want
1: absolutely i think it's it's all about you know you you have i think it's when you have your epif- your writer's epiphany and, and like you said i think nearly every one of us does but i think that's when you finally find your voice your writer's yeah. voice um and you know, it, it might come from years and years of practice. It might come from writing a million words. It might come from writing 14 other failed novels. But sooner or later, something happens. And you find your voice and you find your confidence and you find your... I mean, for me, I have I think I've changed quite a bit since I got my publishing deal, which which sounds ridiculous. It's not that I was, you know... I'm so self-involved that I now suddenly think I'm famous because that's clearly not the case (laughs) but it's I think for me it was it was that realisation that somebody else liked my work enough to pay me money for it right and it, it was the validation that this thing that I'd been playing at for 14 years was actually it wasn't a game anymore it was it, it was something serious and it was being received in the way that I'd always wanted it to be. So, um, so yeah, so that for me, um, it, it, I suppose it changed me as a person in as much as it made me more confident about the stuff that I was doing and the stuff that I was writing. And I was, I was finally, I mean, you know, when I, I I used to work at a law firm, um, I used to work in marketing at a, at a law firm. And they didn't tell anybody. You know, there's about three people in an office of 800 that knew I was a writer on the side. Um, But once I got my publishing deal and I knew that the book was coming out in June, I I, I was telling everybody because it it was almost like I'd been ashamed of it before and it was something that you didn't talk about. Um, But knowing that it was going to be published and it was going to be published by a reputable publisher um, and that they had paid me money in order to do this, it just meant that what what i was producing it wasn't a hobby anymore it wasn't a game so i could finally own what i was doing and that just made me so much more confident in in my process as a writer that um that yeah that started to come out in my personality a lot more and it's it's oh, just yeah. really strange looking back i'm i'm because i am you know from from my very first convention to the one that I went to, you know, six weeks ago. Fundamentally different person. You know, instead of creeping around the edges of the room I'm talking to anyone who'll listen and it's it's just for me it's been a very, very strange, slightly surreal and very rewarding eighteen months. Because I think I finally you know, at thirty eight, I've finally sort of grown into myself, if that makes sense.
0: Oh yeah, totally. And you've I, and the way I feel about it as well is that it seems like you've kind of found what you're supposed to do <laughs> with yes. your life. Yeah, you know, and nothing against firefighting. I love I love doing that, but you know, that's the two things I wanted to do when I was a, a little boy: is be a writer and a firefighter. And it's kind of oh. all come to.
1: See, that's just Did... perfect. Those <laughs> yeah.
0: are the
1: two best jobs. They are the two best jobs in the world.
0: They really are. And I get time to actually write at the firehouse when I'm not. I have been interrupted many times. Like, I'll write 20 words. I'm like, okay, yeah, here we go. And then the tones go off and like, (laughs) gosh! Gotta shut the computer down and get, you know. But that's, you know, that's just part of it. But has anybody, I don't know if anybody does something like this to you, but I'm sitting there and I'm writing. And usually I have headphones, but sometimes I don't. And they come up behind me and they go, you're writing another book? I'm like, I'm not going to stop with... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm just writing one. Smoke Eaters was my fifth. I'm, you know, I'm working on my seventh. You, what, What? yeah, what, of course I'm going to keep writing. I, I'm not just going to just with one book, you know? Yeah. But, you know, yeah. they don't get it. Or they ask, how long is it? And I say, oh, it's just under 90,000 words. And they're like, oh, my God, that's... And I, it's I huge! Them, that's, that's short. That's, like, yeah. short as far as novels nowadays... But, nah, they don't, they don't get it. They don't understand. Yeah. But
1: it is. It okay. is It is. It's like, because um, I've, I've got a background in martial arts, and the number of people that you would see join the club, they'd do their four years, get their black belt, and they'd be gone. Out the door, never to be seen again, because all they really? wanted, all they wanted was the black belt probably never trained again in their lives and I think that's what a lot of people think about oh you've written a book okay you've done it you've ticked it off your list
0: move right. on to the next thing Yeah, move on they, to mountain climbing or something
1: yeah yeah precisely <laughs> you know going over Niagara Falls in a barrel or whatever the next thing on your list is and they just don't get that it's so addictive yeah. you know you, you've written one And then you want to know what happens next, let alone whether you have any readers who want to know what happens next. You want to know what happens and you want to see, you know, you want to see your characters come to life. And and I I don't know if that happens to you, but if you get get a character who just won't shut up and they won't, you know, you say, right, okay, you're going to go over there and then in eight chapters you're going to die. And they get over there. Then <laughs> in make chapters, they turn around and go, Fuck you, I'm not dying.
0: I'm not dying. Yeah. yeah and they
1: <laughs> they write an entire storyline for themselves. Do you ever get that?
0: Where yeah, it's like, usually they take it's over. the opposite Yeah. Usually it's the opposite though. It's uh I say, Okay, you're gonna continue on and then they turn around and go, No, I'm gonna die right here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have suicidal characters, Sean. Yeah,
0: well, or, just, you know, like the dragon pops out of the ground and eats them. And it's like, well, where'd that come from? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. keep going.
1: I'm sick of your life shit. Happens. I'm dying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I want to let everybody out there know if you love Grimdark, uh, if you love Joe Abercrombie stuff, uh, Mark Lawrence, God Blind is totally for you. You're going to love it. Uh, well,
1: thank you very much.
0: Yes. Anna, thank you so much for coming on Cosmic Dragon.
1: Thank you. And. Uh,
0: We look forward to seeing more from you.
1: Definitely. Yeah, let's chat again soon.